Hello everyone and welcome back to the MTG Novels Project. The MTG Novels Project is available both on YouTube and as a podcast version. Check the description for more details. A legal note. This is an unofficial audiobook with original content belonging to Wizard of the Coast. This content is covered under 2017 Wizard of the Coast fan content policy. Listener discretion is advised. Today we are continuing with Chapter 24 of Planeswalker by Lynn Abbey. The sun had just risen over the Kerr Ridge, far to the east of Gulmanary Island and Efren Pankar. It would be a summer's day with clear air and high clouds that wouldn't come close to raining on those deserts dry stone. Koilos, the secret heart, was on the other side of the mountain where Zancha and Retepe rested, waiting for Retepe to recover from the three-step walk from Pinkar City. Urza was already at the cavern. He'd sworn he wouldn't go looking for Gix until they arrived. Unless Gix came looking for him. Watepe sat on the ground, chafing his arms and legs against the morning chill and the shock of healing. You think he knows everything? Sancha had just finished telling him what had passed between her and Urza on the Guild Inn roof not an hour earlier. She was impatient to yawn at the sphere and get into the air, even though she knew there'd be no part for her or Watepe to play in the coming fight. More than 3,000 years ago, She's watched as the other demon sucks Gix down a funeral to punishment that had proved less than eternal. She expected Urza to do a better job and wanted to watch him do it. He's still calling you Mishra. Vatepe nodded several times. True enough, but it was something in the sky last night over Pinkar City. A little while ago, Vatepe nodded several times. True enough, but he was something in the sky last night over Pinkar City. A little while ago. Whenever. I got used to the idea that he was the crazed, foolish man who lived on the other side of the wall. I let myself forget what I knew he was. Through the weak stone. He was the man who came within an hour of destroying the world. You weren't the only one, Sancha confessed. You ready to finish this? All's in the morning's work, Vatepe joked grimly as he stood. Ava here's mercy. I'd be happy. I am happy. But inside, I feel like I felt after I saw my father's death, or when we were falling through that storm over the ocean, and we were floating in your sphere. I don't feel part of anything around me. If I ask myself what happens next, there's nothing there, not even a sunrise. Sancho replied, Urza walked us under the sun. That's why we missed the sunrise. I'll try not to drop the sphere through a storm again. She left Retepe's other observations behind on the ground as the sphere fold around them. She left Retepe's other observations behind on the ground as the sphere flowed around them and lifted them into the air. Urza waited not far from the place where Zanja had read the Thran glyphs. He was taller than any mortal man and clad in his full panoply with robes armored in the colors of sorcery. His hands circled the gnarled wood of a war staff capped with a particular blue-gray metal. His eyes were hard and faceted as he'd seen nothing so puny as flesh. But his voice was strong and vibrant when he greeted them. Gix is here, waiting for me. The scents of Frexia were indeed in the air, glistening oil, fourth sphere fumes, and the malevolence Xantia recognized as Gix. She yawned out her armor while Urza laid hand on her Pepe's shoulders. The young Ephun glowed like swamp water once they entered the cavern. Sunlight ended ten paces into the upper glyph-covered chamber. Urza's war staff emitted a steady light from the edges of its many blades. 
The light reached to the glyph-covered walls. Phyrexian, you say, Urza asked. Close enough. Do you want to read them through my eyes? Not yet. After. I've waited too long to taste vengeance against a Phyrexian who destroyed my brother. It's hard enough to know Gix is one of the Thran, one of the ones who got away. I don't want to know the rest. Not yet. And once I know it, then I'll decide if it's worth remembering. I have much to do, Zancha. I cannot always embrace the truth that might have been written on stone walls. I know that's been hard for you, but it's been even harder for me. The ultimate confession from the crazed and foolish man who lived on the other side of the wall. They continued to the rear of the chamber, where Retepe had spotted a passage. Without torches or palace stone eyes, he had been unable to explore it. The passage sloped sleepily downward, was marred by deep gouges in the stone. Zancha walked on, Urza's left, a half pace behind, but Tepe held a similar place on Urza's right. We took everything, Tepe whispered softly, but in Koilos, I whispered care like a shout. Urza didn't tell him to be quiet, so Tepe continued. The chamber below, where we find the stones. We stripped it bare. We needed the metal. At the end, we were so desperate for metal, any metal, that we opened tubes and took the grave goods from our dead, and fueled our smelters with their bones. So did we, Urza assured him. So did we. Sancha saw light ahead, the harsh gray light of Phyrexia. The second chamber of Koilos was as large as the first, and empty, except for Gix, who stood somewhere behind dead center. Sancha expected some preliminary taunting and boasting, but neither Urza nor Gix was a young mortal with an itch for glory. They'd come to kill or be killed. All of their wives had been buried long ago. Gix attacked first as they emerged from the passageway. He didn't waste time or effort with side attacks against Zancha or Retepe. They were innocents with rights to Urza's protection. They'd come of their own free will, and they'd be meat at best if Urza failed to win. The rupine gem in the demon's bulging forehead shone bright. A thumbnail-sized spot of the same color appeared on Urza's breast. Heartbeats later, a boulder. Urza high, Urza wide, billowous, green, and glassy, stood where Urza had stood between Zancha and Retepe. The boulder blew apart an instant later. Fist of stone hammered Zancha from face to toes, threw her back against the chamber wall. Retepe was on the floor, covered in a thick layer of dust. Two counterspinning coals of fire and light were around the demon until he spread his arms to vanquish them. An ambulator took shape, closer to Urza than to Gix. The ambulator heaved and rotated upwards, spouting a toothy hole of a mouth and many vicious reaching arms. An arm came close enough to Zancha that she judged it prudent to put a little distance between herself and the duel. She scuttled crabwise along the curving chamber wall and relieved to see with Pepe doing the same on the other side. Urza spoke a word, and the ambulator creature became a sooty smear. He did nothing at all that Zancha could see and yet Gix was slammed against the chamber's fall wall. A crystal sarcophagus surrounded the demon. Sanja thought that might be the end, but purple fumes rose from the crystal, and Urza disappeared as the manic wailing filled the barren chamber. Gix shoot off the dissolving crystal and clambered to his metallic feet. Sanja took heart from the fact that the demon wasn't claiming victory by taunting her or Atepe. His arly-shaped head swiveled fanatically. The rupine light danced over the naked stone, leaving a trail of smoke as Gig sought a target. Twice the demon blew futile cravers in the rock, but he was ready when ghostly blue arms seized him from behind. 
Urza landed on his back in the middle of the chamber. The impact shook jagged stones the size of a man's torso from the ceiling. Both contestants righted themselves and backed away from each other. The testing phase was over. The duel began in earnest, with furies of attacks of evident flow too fast for Xanja's eyes. The demon was stronger, cleverer, and much more resilient than she believed after seeing him flee the dragon in Pinkar City. She thought of the excoriation. It had taken a clutch of demons to wrestle Gix into that funeral. She suspected he was the only one who had survived. Urza succeeded and melted away one of Gix's legs, though that was little more than an inconvenience in a battle that wasn't about physical injury. And though Urza seemed to have the advantage more often than not, he couldn't deliver a killing attack. Not that he didn't try in a hundred different ways, from elemental ice to conjured beasts and ghosts of artifacts he and Misha had wheeled against each other. Gix counted them all, sometimes barely, with an equally bewildering assortment of arcane memories and devices. Eventually, when it had become apparent that neither Flash nor Gael was going to tilt the balance, Urza and Gix locked themselves in a contest of pure will that manifested itself in an increasingly complex web of blue, white, and crimson light. The spindle-shaped web stretched between Urza's eyes and Gix's gem-studded forehead. At its widest, which was almost its middle, in the middle of the chamber, the web did not descend to the floor, sparing nothing for effect. The wave gave off neither heat nor sound, and endured without really changing, until Zanja had to breathe again. How long, she asked herself, could they remain entrapped in each other? Her best answer, for a very long time. She got up on her feet. Look at Urza's eyes, Tepe shouted from the other side of the chamber. Zanja had to walk closer than she'd considered wise, before she saw a sl slit in the web that let her see down the spindle to Urza's face. She didn't see anything strange. Nothing stranger than two specks as bright as the sun, but she didn't have Retepe's rapport with the weak stone. And as Retepe's voice had seemed to have no effect on the duel, she asked, What am I looking for? You can't see everything changing? Coming back from the past, but going back to it? She started to say that she couldn't see anything changing, and swallowed the words. Shadows were growing in the cold oak's chamber, not shadows cast by the web's light, but shadows cast by time, growing more substantial as each moment passed. Metal columns grew out of the walls. Great machines where Ephraxia loomed upon the floor. Beneath the wise part, the light woven spindle, a low platform, came into being. Mir sprang up in a circle behind both Gix and Urza, behind Zanja and Vatepe as well. An object similar to Abahir's great book, but made from metal, like Urza's staff, grew atop the platform. As Zanja watched, flexion glyphs formed on the smooth metal leaves. Zancha was waiting for the glyphs to become legible when dull-colored metal spread out of the central platform. The metal shaped into four rising prongs, like uplifting hands. His eyes, Zancha. His eyes. They're going back. Gix is dragging them back through time. The might stone and weak stone had pulled out of Urza's skull and were advancing towards the spindle. Gix had said, The Thran are waiting. And when the palace stones moved into the prongs, Urza would be in the hands of the Thran. But Tepe shouted, We can stop them. No, we can not if you're getting influence from the weak stone. It's Thran. It belongs to Gix. No wonder he is waiting here. Sancha would have sobbed if the armor had led her. We can stop things, Sancha. Gix is sending the power stones into the past. All we have to do is get there first. Sancha shook her head. Never mind that. She couldn't see Retepe. That the weak stone has influenced you, she started. Gix. Frexia. Her guck said anything she would to make things worse. If anything could be worse than watching Urza become a tool of the Frexian. Thran. 
She was paralyzed, frightened as she had never been before, except perhaps at the very beginning, where the vat priest pulled the newts, listen, and obey. Meet me in the light, Zancha. On the other side of the spindle, Watepe thrust his hands into the web. From Zancha's side, looking through the spindle, his flesh became temperous, and his bones gleamed with golden light. Now, Zancha. The power stones had traveled half the distance to the prongs. The etched metal glyphs were legible, if she could have concentrated and read them. She walked to the right place, the place opposite Retepe, then hugged herself tightly, tucking her hands beneath her arms, lest she moved without thinking. I need to be sure, she shouted. Be sure that Gix wants a mite stone and weak stone, not you and me. At least we can give him what he doesn't want. It's all we've got to give. Sancho reached for the spindle. The light repelled Urza's armor. A good omen or a bad one. For whom? She didn't know. And tucks her hands beneath her arms again. I can't, Retepe. I'm Phyrexian. I can't trust myself. My mom was wrong. The power stones were three quarters of the way. The devices beyond the rings and mirrors thumped to life. I am not, and I'm never worried about you. Meet me in the light, Zancha. We're going to end the war. Zancha shed her armor and thrust her hands into the spindle. Be gone. Listen and obey. Be gone. Do not interfere. The demon's anger roared through Zancha's mind. Could have been deception. Gek should have known that she would, in the end, disobey his command. In which case, Gix had outwitted them all and wanted her to reach into the light. But on the chance that he wasn't quite that imaginative, Zancha extended her arms to their fullest reach. Time and space changed around her. She left her body behind. To the right, the might stone and weak stone. Two great glowing spheres rolling towards her. Fighting, losing. To the left was unspeakable. Blood-red mob, Gix, calling the stones, sucking them to their doom. Straight ahead stood Pepe, son of Medea, with a radiant smile and outstretched arms. Their fingers touched. Gix turned his wrath on her and on Retepe. It was the last thing the demon did. Sancha felt the stones free themselves to destroy the enemy they'd been created to destroy. As for her and Retepe, they were together. Nothing else matters. And Rat's face... Joyous as they embraced, was a glorious sight to carry into the darkness. For Urza, the battle had ended suddenly, in a matter of moments, and without easy explanation. One moment, Misha and Zancha had blo been blocking the light, arms outstretched. The next moment, less than a moment, a fireball had filled the lower chamber. Once again, his eyes had lifted him out of death's closing fist. His Thran eyes had guarded this cavern for 4,000 years before he and his brother found them and they still prefer to see it in its glory, filled with engines, artifacts, and power stone mirrors. Or should he say his Phyrexian eyes? It scarcely mattered. Urza's borrowed eyes preserved him as the fireball raged like a short-lived sun. The sunball consumed itself, quickly, Urza thought, though he remembered, Argoth, and that the time he'd spent completely within the power stones could not be measured. As his eyes recorded it, there was fire, and then the fire was gone. Two edges of the cut made by an infinitely sharp knife, without a gap between them. There'd be no visions, as there had been the other times when the Mightstone and Weakstone had held them in their power. No explanations, however cryptic. Nothing except a dusky voice that said, It's over. He had a sense, much less than a vision, that Mitra had grasped Zancha's hand just before the explosion consumed them. In the aftermath, silence reigned. Unnatural silence. Urza wasn't deaf, but there was nothing left to hear. Urza thought light, and it flowed outward from him. Zancha, he called, because he'd been without his brother before.
Her name echoed off the chamber's scorched walls. He was alone. At the end, she'd chosen Mishra. Charming, lively Mishra. Urza wished them joy, wherever they'd gone. He wished them peace, far away from any Frexian or Thran design. They had earned peace and vanquished their shared enemy, Gix. The demon had vanished within the Power Stone-derived fireball. There was nothing left. Urza's eyes told him that. He could hear them now, faint and smoke in his skull. The truth was written on the upper chamber ceiling. The Thran had fought among themselves, fought as only brothers could fight, with a blindness that transcended hatred. Remembering the battle the Mightstone and Weakstone had shown him in the last time he came to Kolos, Urza realized he truly did not know which army had escaped to Phyrexia. If indeed Xanthus Ineffable had slipped away to create Phyrexia before that fatal day. Standing in the Koilos Cavern, Urza concluded that he'd have to continue with experiments with time, because he'd have to go back himself, not to a moment in his own lifetime, but to the Thran, Gix, and all the others. Not yet, Urza cautioned himself. This would be a cunning war. Gix was still exodent in the past. Yogmoth and the other Phyrexians were in the past, the present, and the future too. The battle, the real and final battle for Dominaria, had in a sense just begun. It would be fought in the past and in the future, and Urza would have no allies. None at all. Not Thanos, not Mishra. Urza recalled light and moved along the blackened corridor to the surface. No real body, no real need for light or anything else. A weight tugged against him. Sancha's heart, within the power stones, his eyes had preserved. He wasn't alone. Urza would never be alone. That was the end of Planeswalker by Lynn Abbey. Please like and subscribe and follow on YouTube and on your chosen podcast platform. Next time, we will start with the next novel in the series. Thanks for listening.